Welcome, welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Tuesday. Thank you for joining us. Awesome show planned for you today. Royce White back in studio with us. Round of applause. Uh, Royce, what did you think of the coffee-cured filet uh, from Stony River, my favorite restaurant, maybe in all of America right now? Incredible. Incredible. Never tasted a steak. It was unique. It was yeah, very unique. Yeah, it, I'm, it, I'm a connoisseur of steak. You know that. I, yeah. I thought it was very uh, unique. Yeah, and so it's funny, you know, the best restaurant here is this place called Cane Prime, in my opinion. But my favorite restaurant is at Stony River, and it's because of that coffee-cured filet. It's reasonably priced. I go there all the time. Uh, last night, because I've been doing good on my diet and exercising, so last night, me and Royce, we, <laughs> when they showed up with the food, they was like, there's three steaks here. And I was like, yeah, 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 it's just me and Royce. Yeah, yeah, well, we're going to split that second steak. I had a steak and a half of that filet, and it's wearing well on me. I feel good. You, you say maybe a little too much. Oh, for man, you. red meat's just been doing a number on me, and I can't, I can't stop eating the steak. I mean, I just, I have a problem. I just, you know. Shamefully, I have a problem. Royce, I, I, I would say that I'm capable of going back to Stony River tonight. Uh, I'm capable. I don't think I'm going to do it. I'm, 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 I'm going to make sure I, I had too many calories last night, although all I ate was the steak yeah. and some mushrooms. But anyway, <clears throat> uh, fantastic show uh, planned for you today. Royce is here. Uh, Shamika Michelle uh, will be here. Uh, we're going to have a guest. Uh, Wendy Alexander, she's an expert, I believe, on Dubai, and we're going to talk about Dubai because, as you guys have known, we have a uh, Brittany Griner s type situation in Dubai. A young woman has been detained, a Houston woman has been detained in Dubai. Black woman, of course, you know, that's why it's making news. Uh, and so we're going to get Wendy Alexander's take on what's it like for an American black woman in Dubai. Stay tuned for that. But we're going to start uh, with a discussion. And hope we're hoping Bryson Gray will be here today. Uh, maybe not in this A block, but in the next segment as we talk about uh, Barack Obama, one of my favorite topics. So uh, let's get to the fire starter. Let's get this party rolling. And then me and Royce will fan the flames. And then Shamika, and hopefully Bryson Gray will come in and help fan the flames, and then we'll get to Wendy Alexander. But fantastic show. Start pounding that like button uh, right now. Start hitting subscribe. Leave a comment about, because I'm about to offer up some very provocative opinions about uh, former President Obama. So is Royce and everybody else that comes on the show. Tell us what you think in the comments section. I like to read all the comments. You guys know I'm in the live chat most nights. Uh, if you're on Apple, give us that five-star review. Write a review. We need that to fight the algorithm. All right, let's get the party started. <clears throat> Newsweek gave Barack Obama the title of first gay president on its May 21st, 2012 cover. Andrew Sullivan, a gay writer wrote the accompanying story. Filled with glee over Obama's public support of gay marriage, Sullivan gushed over the then president as, the, as he politicked for a second term. Uh, Sullivan wrote, quote, when you step back a little and assess the record of Obama on gay rights, you see, in fact, that this was not an aberration. 
It was an inevitable culmination of three years of work, end quote. Yes, in hindsight, Obama's path to becoming the LGBTQIA community's best friend was all but inevitable. Perhaps it was his mission from the outset. Tying the journey of black people to the cause of lesbians, gays, bisexuals, and transgenders is Obama's most enduring and impactful legacy. It's a legacy he guards with vigilance and tremendous courage. Monday, Obama quadrupled down on the alliance he forged between blacks and gays, penning a letter to the American librarians uh, encouraging them to stand against the forces trying to eliminate books deemed too sexually mature for children. Obama wrote, quote, uh, today, some of the books that shaped my life and the lives of so many others are being challenged by people who disagree with certain ideas or perspectives. It's no coincidence that these banned books are often written by or feature people of color, indigenous people, and members of the LGBTQ plus community. Obama did not name the books that shaped his life and are under attack. The book motivating many parents to object across the country is Gender Queer, a memoir. It's written by Amaya Kobe, a 34-year-old San Francisco-raised cartoonist and author who claims he is non-binary. According to a glowing New York Times profile in 2022, Gender Queer, published in 2019, is the most polarizing and challenged book inside American libraries. Written for elementary and junior high students, the book depicts, describes, and illustrates numerous gay sex acts. The American Library Association awarded the book a 2020 Alex Award, an honor given to books written by adults that have special appeal to 12 to 18 year olds. In his letter to librarians, Obama referenced authors Mark Twain, Toni Morrison, Walt Whitman, and James Baldwin. Maybe Obama's mad that some critics ripped The Adventure of Huckleberry Finn for its crudeness in 1885 and in more recent years for its repeated use of the N-word. Maybe that's driving Obama, but I doubt it. Referencing Twain is a distraction. Toni Morrison, Walt Whitman, and James Baldwin underscore Obama's real point. Morrison is a black woman and Whitman and Baldwin are two of the most famous gay writers in American history. Obama's letter is a reminder to black people in general and black women in particular that our freedom is directly tied to the freedom and support of the LGBTQ. Black women and gays are the peanut butter and jelly of the Democratic Party. White suburban feminists are the wonder bread. Spread gays and blacks across liberal white women and you have the perfect political sandwich. It's a coalition of voters who have been programmed to hate masculinity, the patriarchy, and life-giving heterosexuality. Cucked men, white and black, are the glass of milk used to wash down the sandwich. This political alliance is how you get a large group of people to believe children need pornographic library books to be well-rounded. Obama knows this entire book-banning controversy centers around hypersexualized material. 
He's seen the viral and social media videos of outraged parents reading the books about at, aloud at school board meetings. He knows that his political party is being blamed for stealing the innocence of children. His letter to librarians is a cleverly played race card. Will it work? Are black women so lost in racial idolatry and the spoils of perceived power that they will sacrifice their children to sexual perversion? Are white feminists so filled with bitterness and lust for power that they will sacrifice other people's children to sexual perversion? I can't answer those questions. We live in a time where people think nothing of grown men gyrating their genitals in front of kids at pride parades. We live in a time when Obama's skin color provides him the cover to justify and promote blatant immorality and dishonesty. We live in a public square filled with whataboutism. We can't complain about Obama's hypocrisy and lack of morality because George W. Bush and Dick Cheney pretended Osama bin Laden from a cave 5,000 miles away collapsed Building 7 without an airplane. And what about January 6th and Brett Favre? We expect and accept that our politicians lie to us. The acceptance of those lies doesn't mean we should ignore the people sexualizing and grooming children. Some sins are sins and others are an abomination. The first gay president is a master of deception, confusion, and hiding in the closet. That's my fire starter. And that ending was inspired by uh, Malik Obama, uh, Barack Obama's alleged half-brother who tweeted yesterday after seeing Barack Obama's letter that uh, he's definitely gay. He deleted the tweet <laughs> uh, shortly afterwards. And, and, and that almost is, is kind of where I want to start, Royce, and I know it's impolite to talk about, but I think it's appropriate. I, I looked at that letter yesterday. I looked at Barack Obama's alleged half-brother's reaction, and and I, I just go, Barack Obama, he's got to be gay. I mean, I'm just, he's, he's, or his life's mission is the protection of gay people. And this kind of piggybacks off the conversation we had yesterday about Charles Barkley, mm -hmm. but this obsession from black leaders, influencers, celebrities, and particularly as it relates to Obama, I just, it fuels my belief that this dude's gay. <laughs> well, well, yeah, I think he's gay too. But, you know, what, what I start to think about and what I think most black people around the country should think about is if he's gay, who knew he was gay and who knew he was gay before he ran? Which power brokers knew that he made, you know, I mean, look, if you understand, you run for president of the United States, presidents are selected, not elected, in a lot of cases. Yeah. Especially from it comes from a corporate apparatus standpoint, money raising, donors, the whole thing. The, uh, the research that goes into a person's life is extensive, and it probably extends into the security state, which means they have thorough, thorough uh, investigation of your past life uh, for a multitude of reasons. So who, if he's gay, who knew he was gay, and who knew he was gay before he ran, and there's serious implications to that because him being the first black president becomes much less relevant. And it may in fact be that in order to be a black president in this country, you had to be gay. 
Whoop, there it is, in my opinion. And, and Royce, I've made this point, and I don't know if people fully understand it, but I've, for a solid decade, I've asked friends of mine, uh, okay, if you had a choice, if you could only choose one, would you choose your heterosexuality or your black skin color? If you could only keep one, yeah. what would you keep? And for me, it's an easy answer. I'd keep my heterosexuality. Right. Being heterosexual is more important to me than being black. Most of my friends, like, they refuse to answer the question because they know the right answer. They'd keep their head up. But there's this racial loyalty, and so they like to pretend. But, but the point that I'm making when I put people and ask that question is, what's going to be your higher priority to uh, uh, protecting your sexuality or protecting your skin color? And that's why Barack Obama's sexuality is important to me. His sexuality, just like most people's, is a more important priority than his skin color. And so as you look back and people in restaurant, yeah, he did more for gays than he did for blacks. Well, of course he did. And you would do the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. And that's why this sexuality thing is important. And that's why Barack Obama being this tool used to convince black people that our number one allies and our number two priority, which is really our number one priority, is protecting the plight and, and supporting the cause of the LGBTQ. And that's where Barack Obama has been. That, to me, as I said in my mono, that's his true legacy. That's his true impact is he's wedded. He performed the ceremony between black people and the LGBTQ, and for till death do us part is now the mentality. Well, I, I appreciate your fire starter. There's two good, about three great, great fire starters in a row. I was just in awe, honestly. Uh, and, and you do a great job of uh, explaining these things to whatever would-be audience out there, people who listen to you and follow you or people who may pick up on it in sound bites. But for me, I just don't really, I don't really think most black people have any clue what's going on in this country with their leaders whatsoever. I mean, I think they have no clue. I think they're completely detached from reality around their own perceived values in their own life, but surely Barack Obama's or whatever he represents, because you'll walk into a barbershop and if Barack Obama's name comes up, all the black men in the barbershop will say, hand over fist, he didn't do anything for black people. But you still vote Democrat. And even more importantly, you still run behind your black woman and, and, and the crumbs falling out of her ass knowing she votes for Barack Obama. It's completely misaligned. And so I just look at it and go sometimes, what could we tell you about Barack Obama? Like, do I have to go into, he had more missile drone strikes on brown people in the Middle East than George Bush? But you're anti-Islamophobia. I mean, they're just all over the place. I can't pin them down. It's hard to even, you know, figure out where to start with these people. You have pointed to the right dot to connect, it's fear of the black woman and getting crossways with her. For sure. And losing access to you know, our favorite place on the planet. I told you yesterday when we were having steaks, yeah. 
this entire LGBTQ movement is a complete manifestation of women's resent for men. That's why they're the biggest fan. They're the biggest supporter. You said it perfectly. That's why, you know, uh, you know, admire the fire starters. People don't want to have to say it mostly because they want to get laid. But the reality is the, the greatest satisfaction for a modern woman who resents a man is to have a man dress up like a woman. To just reject his manhood completely and go, I embrace, I, I hate me so much that becoming you is the only thing I could do to, to fulfill my life. And women get off on that. That's why they sit in the crowd and they cheer while, while trans men shake their, their genitals in front of their kids. It's completely ridiculous. I mean, it's perverted to the highest level. You said that last night and it, it made me, it gave me pause, made me think, repeating it again today, I, I, I get it even more uh, than I did last night when we were talking at dinner. It, it, it what you're saying does uh, like explain like the whole, cause I'm just baffled at the whole drag queens thing and, and the people, the women that take their children to see men dress up as women, shake their genitals in front of other children. And the whole, the whole drag queen thing, I, I, I don't know cause I've never been to a drag show, but my perception of it seems to be that it has more interest for women than men. That sure. seeing drag queens, that's more fun for them than it is for men. Sure. And it, it speaks to your point of like, they get some kind of- Get perverse, off on that? Yeah. You guys like that? You having fun with that? Why are you so emotional in there? You can see, see me, I look at the psychology. When you watch the videos and you see they're cheering, my question is, where, where, why, why such a heavy emotional investment in it? It can't be the benefit. It really can't be that you believe there's a, there's a social benefit for your child. That's just ridiculous on all accounts. It's you. Like, you get off on the, the deal. But why? I mean, that's a proper question. You're not sexually attracted to a drag queen because most of these women are married or pursue men. So what's the, what's the, what's the payoff? They want to see men demean themselves. And it makes perfect sense. <laughs> I, I want to drag us back okay. to the, and not that that was any sort of distraction, but I just want to drag us back to the racial dynamic of this. And, and what, are we as men that weak that we're going to continue to tolerate fear of our women stopping us from expressing what we really feel, desire, want. I don't know a man, I'm not talking about my friends, I'm just talking about people in general, uh, and I just say that to provide my friends cover, <laughs> is, is I just don't know a man that doesn't want to be a leader and doesn't want to be a leader in his home, doesn't believe in the patriarchy. I, I, and I know there are some out there. I'm just talking about my friends. Most of them are former athletes. Most of them are, you know, alpha males. Uh, I, I don't know one that, that, that doesn't want to be a leader, but I know many 
who bite their tongues and pretend like I'm the extremist. And, and I do have the liberty of not being married and many of my friends are married. And, and so I don't have to run my thoughts or feelings by someone who could divorce me and take half my stuff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so, and so I, I get my freedom. But at some point, as black men, we're going to have to snap out of it or we're going to be further emasculated, pushed further down as a priority in this country and in the leadership. So we're, we're already at the bottom, but we can go even lower. I believe we're at the bottom, but I do believe we can go. I mean, we're just like, and we're already there. We're just like a total afterthought. What we think, and it's it's happened in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. There were, you know, Martin Luther King was assassinated the year after I was born. There was a time when the black man really mattered. You go back to Frederick Douglass, you go back to MLK, you go back where we were the leaders, and now it's completely the other direction. And and I. I just think at some point we're going to have to snap out of it and it comes down to, uh, and I used to, <laughs> there's a guy, I don't know if you've ever heard of a guy named Chronicles of Judah. Yeah, I've heard of him. Yeah. I used to watch a lot of his stuff mm-hmm. and I, he was a lot like you. He was so far ahead of the conversation for me, it was hard for me to keep up. But I look at it now and I'm like, holy cow, everything he said, because he used to constantly talk about like, hey man, we got to have some discipline with our private part. Mm -hmm. Just quit giving it to everybody, quit letting it lead us around and and be just more disciplined. You you, you think, I think a lot of men think promiscuity is a sign of masculinity and it really is, it's mostly a sign of a lack of discipline and how much control you're just handing over to women, particularly when you're impregnating these women and having, they're having kids, you've turned over all kinds of power to them yeah. that, that puts you in a weakened position where you're always on your knees. Yeah, and, and I mean, I said on the show before, my, my, my concern, you know, this is one of the, this is one of the real dark horses of, of societal decay, and it's the family court, right? It's the family court and the marriage court and the fact that they've completely incentivized women to um, reorder the natural order. The family court is completely anti-God. I mean, and it, it's a major, major institution. You're talking about the pair bonding of citizens, right? You're talking about reproduction. You're talking about one of the most fundamental phenomenons in our entire civilization, uh, and they've completely hijacked it. And so they've left men, particularly black men, but, but really all men, in a situation where they must face the choice of having children at all or being in a, a, a mathematical equation that almost... Uh, surely will have them be the victim of some predatory financial scam of the court. Uh, and that's just a tough place to be in. And I think men, men one, have to rise up and have to think about their political participation for this reason, number one, because the only way to change the laws of family court on a state legislative level is to be involved in politics. Um, but they also have to be willing to fall on some swords because we let it get this way, and we have to continue to have children. And we talked about that yesterday with the, with the Muslims and the and the Christians and the, the birth rate. Um, so there's a lot to think about. But but ultimately, the family court is at the helm of this entire feminist movement. It's the backstop. Royce, we're we're 
Gonna take a little break here and bring Shamika Michelle into the discussion. Hopefully Bryson Gray, if he arrives here in, t in time as well. Uh, but before I do all that, I wanna talk about, I, don't, I, left my, I left my Patriot mobile phone in my office. I normally like to flash it, but you guys know I made the switch to Patriot Mobile. I put my money where my mouth is. I love my phone. I love Patriot Mobile. We gotta start creating this parallel economy where we're supporting businesses and technology that supports our worldview and is on our team. Patriot Mobile does all that. Has a customer service team that's 100% US based. We gotta quit dumping our money into companies that dump their money into leftist causes. Patriot Mobile doesn't do that. Any of you that are afraid, like, oh, it's Patriot Mobile, I won't have access to all the major carriers. All the major carriers you have access to, I can promise you the service is good. I haven't had a single problem since switching over to Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile is the only Christian conservative wireless provider offering dependable nationwide coverage on all three major networks. So you get the best possible service in your area without the woke politics. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you're sending a message that you support free speech, religious freedom, the sanctity of life, Second Amendment, and our military veterans and first responders. Their 100% US-based customer service team makes switching easy. Keep your phone, keep your number too. Just go to patriotmobile.com slash Jason or call 878-PATRIOT. Get free activation today with the offer code Jason. Ask about their coverage guarantee while you're there. Get the same dependable service and take a stand for your values. Make the switch today, patriotmobile.com slash Jason or 878-PATRIOT. When you do that, call me. Or I'm sorry, email me. Don't call me. <laughs> email me, fearlessblazeshow at gmail.com. Shamika Michelle, next. It's my obligation, no hate, discrimination, raising up your hands for freedom. All right, welcome back. Uh, we're going to expand the conversation about my fire starter monologue by bringing it. Bryson Gray now joining Royce and I in studio. <laughs> Round of applause for Bryson. Bryson just getting back to the state of Tennessee. Good to have you. Shamika Michelle is going to join us from North Carolina. Shamika, Bryson, both North Carolina people. You know, Shamika, Bryson, you guys know each other. Y'all know each other better than anybody. Anyway, uh, Shamika, I'm going to start with you first. And, and Bryson, you chime in. Me and Royce have been talking about it. I'm just, easy question. And, and Shamika, save the jokes for later in the segment. I'm, I'm sorry to put a limit on you initially. Uh, is Barack Obama gay? I would say yes. I would think so. Do I just stop there or I keep going? <laughs> no, you keep going. You okay. keep going. You know, I don't know straight men that would advocate as much as he does for the alphabet mafia. You know, the fact that he actually added the T to the LG or the BT to the LG, that would make me question like Barack. 
what are you doing if I was his wife? And for him to come out with this memo that he did yesterday, you are no longer the president. Why not just live peacefully, live quietly? We don't need you continuing to advocate for things that actually bring destruction to the black community. So many people are constantly saying, well, what did Barack do for black people? He didn't. He was the gay president. And apparently he's the gay ex-president because he's still in this fight, fighting against things that would actually harm us. Bryson, is is Barack Obama gay? I think it's very possible uh, from a lot of things I've heard in the background. Plus, I mean, even though he was actually more conservative than even Trump is now during his first term, you know, he said marriage is between a man and a woman. Uh, he introduced all this homosexual stuff. The Supreme Court uh, pretty much forced every state to accept same-sex marriage in 2015. Uh, so all of this stuff comes comes from Obama. So he's definitely the gayest president of all time, at least in that in that sense. Yeah, I, I think when they put you on the cover of a major magazine at that time and call you the first gay president I'm just I would object and be like hey you know I I get what you're doing you're trying to be slick but don't do that I got kids I I represent you know I'm a person of faith don't don't do that if you want to say that you know hey I supported gay issues fine but don't call me the first gay president I got a wife the whole thing is just it's just it's it's disrespectful didn't do that and I, I don't the media is very clever with how it delivers the truth. And they deliver it through sarcasm and say uh, stuff you can write off as, as, as a joke or whatever. But I, I, I certainly think, and, and Bryson and Shamika, and Shamika, you go first here, that, that his legacy is convincing black people that our best friends on the planet and our allies in a struggle for equality or whatever is the LGBTQ movement. And that's what really upsets me. And it's not because I have a great deal of animus towards the LGBTQ crowd, because I don't. I have sympathy, empathy, pray for them. Uh, But their struggle is not our struggle. And, and my freedom is not connected to their freedom. But we've been convinced of that. And I think that's dangerous. Yeah, gay is not the new black. And that is Obama's legacy. That's actually what made my antennas go up. I voted for him both terms. But during that second term, I started to question, like, what is he doing? I think he was put in place so that black people wouldn't question. He's like our rose colored glasses. As long as he was sitting in office, we allowed so many things to pass that I think black people traditionally would not have gone for. I don't think traditionally we believe in gay marriage. I think most of us think marriage is between a man and a woman. But Obama came in and it was like we were passing 
passive. We just allowed things to happen. And then we woke up one day like, oh my goodness, what is happening? It's because we had this man in office that we just adored. He had this black wife and she was really black. You know, she wasn't this African American. And so we just adored the family. If we remember, there was the white guy that came out that said he had homosexual relations with Obama. Uh, um, also, the choir director of Jeremy Wright, I think it was, his name was Jeremy Wright's church, who also said he had homosexual relations with Obama, who ended up dead. So I think when you have all of these com things coming out, you just can't overlook it. And you're right. As a man, I think he should have said, hey, don't put me under that umbrella. But also as a woman, I would be questioning my man and him not stepping forward to say, don't put me under that umbrella. I can remember dating a guy and he said there was this movie that he wanted us to watch. And so he, um, I don't know, got it from Redbox or something. And it was that moonlight or moonlighting movie. And I can remember when the two black guys went to kiss, I said, oh my God, like this is gay. Like this is a gay movie. And he turns to me and says, how do you know it's gay? How do you know they're gay? They didn't say it. And I just could not even believe that he said that, but that was like, uh, my antennas went up. How are you pushing this? He also took me to see Sausage Party. At the end of the movie, I sat there and I said to him, is there something you're trying to tell me? Because you keep taking me to all this homosexual foolishness and I don't appreciate it. And for me, that was enough. So I don't know why Michelle hasn't even spoken up unless the things that people have been saying Mike, about I mean, her, Michelle. Correct. Right. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Is Jeremiah right? Uh, oh, for, Jeremiah for one, right. Just to keep Jeremiah right. And I, I, I was only bri I never voted for Obama because I've never voted. And but I've, I've, I've never I've, I've always thought every politician is installed for a explicit purpose and and the only one in my lifetime that I don't think wasn't installed was Trump and you know he somehow short-circuited the system and did something that no one saw and that's why they've had such a gigantic reaction but but, but I, I, I look at Obama and this package of blacks and gays in this coalition, this voting block. And I've said it on the show before, and I, I, I'll say it again. I, I think that this promotion of the LGBTQ thing is about building an unbreakable, unbeatable voting block for the Democratic Party. That, and because it sweeps up everybody, it sweeps up parents, it, it, it takes heterosexual people up until now the science deal or whatever to create kids. And so how do you get their parents caught up? Well, if you make their kids LGBTQ, they're gonna vote in the best interest of their kids and the Democrats are clearly gonna be the party of the LGBTQ 
And those of us that religious beliefs, we're their enemies, and therefore conservatives are their enemies. I, I, I see this as a political plot and strategy, and I see Obama's comments here as part of like, they're so concerned about the stranglehold they have on black people that they need Obama to continue to play the race card, connect us to the gay thing. The blackest thing you can be is be pro-gay. Uh, it, it's, it's all a political strategy. I feel like that's the one place they can't win with the black community, though. Uh, like and er not? Yeah. Like, like earlier you said uh, you think Obama convinced black people that we're matched with gays. I don't know black people that feel that way, actually. Most black people I know have pretty much the same views I have. Maybe not as extreme, but nobody likes that stuff being pushed on kids. I ain't never met a black they them in my life. Uh, so I think this is the one, I mean, <laughs> I think this is the one area where Democrats are overplaying their hand with the homosexuality stuff because uh, my grandmother, uh, who's been a Black Panther, voted Democrat all her life. She actually is not voting anymore because she finally realized, ding, 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 that it was the Democrats that put out the Respect for Marriage Act. So now in the Black community, they finally are like, wait, this is the Democrats doing this? Because at first, the Democrats are so smooth with it, you don't know. And that's the one thing, like all the Black, most Black churches, at least in the South where I'm from, um, most Black churches are like, oh, heck no. Because in 2015, my, uh, my church, True Standard, uh, the whole city was carpooling to go vote no on the, on the same-sex marriage bill. That was 2015, a little bit before. You remember each state, they had to vote. Where I'm from, there was carpooling. The whole black community was carpooling. We got to make sure everybody vote no. We're not with same-sex marriage. And same-sex marriage lost on the on the ballot until you know Obama Supreme Court forced it on everybody. But um, so that's the one that's the one issue I think they uh they can't win with the black community for the most part. Not right now, but who knows in five years? Every rapper gay. And so, do you think this is an issue that they can't win with black people, Royce? I, I uh, it seems like anything the Democrats support, black people will eventually get on board with. No, I don't think I don't think black like I told you I don't think black people even really know fundamentally what what policies guide their political party in in general and and like so no I don't think that spiritually they'll win over the black community with the with the LGBTQism I I think that black people will go along with certain things that they feel is advantageous for their other legislative goals and if the LGBTQ happens to be one then they'll turn the blind eye until it's actually their kid. And then they'll be up at the school about to get arrested because some liberal white woman done, done, you know, told their son they should cut their penis off. It's actually happening all the time. And you see a lot of black people standing up out of nowhere going, what is this? I tell pe black people all the time, you know, because I'm coaching, uh, you know, 12, 12 you boys. And I talk to parents all the time. I'm like, are y'all seeing this? And a lot of them actually aren't seeing it. That's what social media was intended to intended to do the distraction is so big it's so good they not they're not even fully connected to who's forwarding these policies and what it actually means for their kids in my opinion i agree okay and i think perhaps that's what obama's counting on as it relates to this letter because he, he's framed it up as oh these all these books that shape my life are being blah 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 and Tony Morrison and James Baldwin and, and I'm like, well, hold on, man. This is about this queer book written by some dude that's 
they're shoving it in elementary schools and junior high schools depicting sex acts. You got cartoons of men blowing each other. And Obama, he's totally leaving it out. And maybe people are that uninformed that they don't know what's driving people to go to school board meetings and to complain loudly. People are that dumb that they don't know that Absolutely, they are. Unequivocally, they're that dumb. Sorry to say, no offense to anybody out there. Many people are that dumb. Let me tell you where they will get black people, if I can. Where they will get black people is around the integrity of elections. And I know this doesn't seem like an integrity of election topic, but, but ultimately, if they decide to steal elections in key swing states, in key uh, metropolitan areas like Georgia for control of the Senate, everybody believes that all black people are voting Democrat or the vast majority of black people are voting Democrat. That's the real scam here. The perception. What's the perception around electoral politics that black people will go along with the LGBTQ, whether they are or not? Mm-hmm. I agree wholeheartedly. But go a step further on that. So the perception. Once Georgia, okay, the, the Warnock and uh, uh, Walker race yep. was so close it went to a runoff. Yep. Then the corporatocracy comes in and they raise, what was it? Um, uh, I think it was $500 million, maybe two, no, $250 million for Warnock just in the runoff. Now everybody says after Warnock wins the runoff, well, of course they dumped more money in and more black people knew that the white supremacists were gonna take Georgia and potentially the Senate. And no black people are gonna vote Republican or vote for Herschel. Simple game. Shamika, do you think, I mean, you're, you've got a kid that just graduated high school, two others that recently, do, do, do you think parents are uninformed of what this controversy about books is really about? That, that, you know, it's really about Huckleberry Finn and Beloved and whatever the crap James Baldwin wrote? I definitely think parents are very unaware of what's going on. I look here just in our school system last year, I think it was like November, December, they actually passed where your child can go to school and identify as something else. The teachers or the staff are under no obligation to tell you that your child is coming to school identifying as something else. And also these children can now play whatever sports with what they identify as. And a lot of parents don't know this. When this passed the school board here, there were 15 people against it. And as far as like Bryson is saying, there are so many people that he knows that is against this stuff, but they didn't even know that it was happening. For 15 people to be against the board passing this rule, it was surprising to me with the amount of Christians in the city, with the amount of pastors, with the amount of parents. And so I believe, like one of you said, they're not going to realize it's happening until their child comes home and they don't understand why that little boy is looking for a tampon. It's because he's going to school every day identifying it as a girl and the parents are so unaware that this is actually taking place. They don't know. I actually believe if more black people understood the Equality Act was them trying to amend the Civil Rights Act, they would actually stand up and have something more to say. But the fact that they 
you know, change definitions or change the names of things. We, we are unaware. If you look at the flag, the pride flag, you know, that has the transgender and now the black and the brown stripe, why are they adding us into this? And when you saw all the black people getting upset with this whole don't say gay bill or, you know, anything that was taking place in Florida, it was because a lot of them didn't understand that so many things that were being ruled out was because it was talking about this gender queer theory and it was being wrapped inside of black history and it wasn't black history. So a lot of people are just unaware. You know, I, I can see that one, our, our family structure is so decimated that people are just working and trying to survive and life isn't moving at a pace slow enough for them to even get informed. Yep. When, when you just going from job, clocking in, coming home, cook, sleep, do it all over again or whatever. And when they've been programmed to only listen to one side of the story and, and don't, don't you, anything you hear from and again, Fox News, even, mm -hmm. they're weak now anyway, but anything you hear from, you dismiss all that. That's just, those are just racist white people. Uh, and it, if Jason Whitlock or Royce or Bryson or Shamika says it, those are, those are just sell out black people. They've, they've taken a check from the white man. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so the only people they listen to are CNN and MSNBC, and they're not going to tell them what this whole thing is about. They're going to pretend like Barack Obama just spoke out on behalf of Mark Twain and, and Toni Morrison. I don't even think most black people gonna, gonna even know that Obama just released a statement. Like, like both of them said, like in the black community, people don't really know much about politics, period. That's why they vote the way they do in the first place. So a lot of things Obama do, black folk, don't even, black people, like black folk in the community don't know 90% of what's going on in politics. They don't even understand how crazy some of this stuff is. My dad is a public school teacher. You know what I'm saying? They are forced to abide by certain rules, but a lot of the parents are still unaware. And it's like you said, it's because of the family structure. Do they have time to really understand what's really happening because of the family structure? And um, so I, I think it's ignorance and we, we got to find a way to get black folk informed. Because like Shamika said, if more black people knew this stuff was getting pushed on kids, he told you what's happening. They'll be at them schools for sure. Oh, they'll be at the schools and they'll be acting violent. Too. Acting, what? <laughs> I'm telling you, they'll be at the schools for a show. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, me. I hear you. I'm not a thousand percent sure I agree. And, 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 and I say that just because whatever percentage of black men have been incarcerated. Mm -hmm. And guys, you've been locked up, prepare to be mad at me because I'm going to say something you, you really disagree with. But if you've been locked up for more than a year, I've done it more than a year. Uh-oh. You got some sexual fluidity issues. You, you've seen too much. <laughs> you've seen, whether you participated or not, you've just seen too much to where... You know, your rules around sex are just very vague. I, I, I'm, I'm, and I thought this is years ago in Kansas City. I used to go to a casino that they'd have on the boats. And I can remember this had to be 20 years ago. I'm, there's 
three brothers standing around the craps table with me, and they're having a very casual conversation about prison, about they was locked up together, and they're having a conversation, and they're talking out loud, and this big old dude says something about, yeah, he's the type that would stick a finger in your booty hole and blah, blah. And I'm like, what are y'all doing? This seemed crazy to me, but it, it was an indicator like, Prison normalizes a conversation in you that if you haven't been to prison, it's not, these are aliens. But, but, but also in prison, if you call somebody gay, you get beat up instantly. Yeah, but you know why they, gays are just receivers. The, the, the people throwing the pass in, no, in they call, Yeah, they call gay in prison too. I know a lot of people have to pray in, in prison. That, that, that's one thing you don't play about. You can get killed if you call the wrong person gay because that rumor travel, people are gonna think you out here trying to get like mess with some booty holes for real. So like, a lot of people don't play that. I, I've actually went to a prison. I actually performed in a prison before. Um, I've spoken in several prisons. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, but you know, you ask people, you don't ask people questions. I, I, I got a lot of family members that went in prison too. Yeah. And you can watch the interviews. I mean, it's just so much you can learn about prison. But they don't play that. They'll play that gay stuff. That's what does happen. I think the amount of raping that goes on in prison is sort of like over exaggerated, though. Yeah, I don't think it's raping. I, I, I not raping, but you know what I mean. The, the the black the black gangs for the most part all across the country are still no man on man action. As a, as a general. Totally disagree. As a, as a general. That's a hype. That's a hype. And I'm just telling you, and I'm only saying this because Suge's locked up and he can't get to me. But I'm just saying, <laughs> routinely sodomizing and making people service him. Dudes, service him. This is the mentality. Go listen to their music. Go listen to Snoop Dogg talk about with my thing on your tonsils, blah, blah, blah. He's talking about another man. Who raps like that? He, he does. Go, I can find I know, the song. I know the song, but you say he's talking about another man. Yes, he is. How you know that? Because he's, he's, he's talking about uh, the dudes down in Florida. He's talking about <laughs> Luke and them. Go listen to the song. He's talking about Luke and them, blah, blah, blah. Dude, I'm just telling you the way they talk, man. I'm it's just, true. I lived out in L.A. The, the, these. My cousin used to be with Snoop Dogg. He was in the same gang as Snoop. Don't care. I call it anyway. They got a whole different mentality. I'm just the whole different mentality. They can talk all that tough stuff they want. We just got we just got to agree to disagree on that one. <clears throat> Let me ask you a question Listen, though. They, Let me ask you a question, right? Go ahead, Shamika. Go real quick. No, Bryce, don't forget say, your point. They definitely talk about homosexual acts in the songs. I love West Coast music, but there are times when they talk about, you know, my mouth and they're talking about a guy. And so I know as an older person, I listen back to the music and I'm like, that's gay. Even um, DMX, when he said, for well, all you men been to jail before, suck that's gay. That's just gay, period. And so hey, I yo, do think that they crazy. actually have normalized some things that I personally would think is gay. Now, there's a homosexual. He was really popular over social media a few years ago. His gauge was six to seven years. If the guy has been in prison, then you may think that they've been into something else. But I, I've always wondered how you getting your hair braided. Like, are you sitting between another guy's legs and he's braiding your hair? Like, how does that work? So I do wait, think wait, wait, that there are some things that would make us go, hmm. This has my point, though. And I'm going to tell you why. 
Now, tell another man SMD is gay, right? But everybody know when you grew up, you said that just to be disrespectful. You didn't mean it as gay. DMX is the perfect example. Everybody knew DMX was against gay stuff. He has a whole song about it. One of his most popular songs. He, he, he has one of his most popular songs. In the song, he's talking about how, how you gay, like how, how you a grown man uh, having sex Bryson, with another man. Bryson, you know what I'm saying? Bryson, you, you know, virtually every day I speak out against fast food. Yeah. I love fast food. Okay. But I speak out against it. Because it's bad. Yeah. But this is different. He's, li he's literally, <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, are we gonna act like that people anger up saying SMD not in the gay way but just to be disrespectful? They did. Come on, bro. I, 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 I understand. I it, is understand. it is a pause, though. It, it's gay. Don't get now, it. It's now gay. it's more pause, but back <laughs> in the 90s, yeah. it was. Early 2000s, too. It was the ultimate form it was of disrespect. The ultimate, yeah. Especially if you're from the East Coast. Yeah. People, you would get killed saying that to somebody from New York City. Exactly. Like, people said it, people said it to be disrespectful. I'm not saying, I don't know how the people are gay, but I, I would have bet money DMX wasn't gay. You know what I'm saying? If I was a betting man, DMX wasn't good. He's in the rap music industry. There's, I know everybody. I'm, in that I'm just gonna say this. This, this is the only yeah. this, and That's I say this point. respectfully. I say this respectfully. Yeah. There's only one person on this planet who I will vouch for sexually. Hmm? Only one person. Cool. Okay. That's it. Okay. That's it. Things have gotten so crazy. <laughs> But, but <laughs> things have gotten so crazy. Uh huh. I agree. But here go the thing, though. We can't go bearing false witness either. So you so, so well, listen, what, what I'm saying is, you can't make a claim. The whole rap. I know music. a lot of popular rappers, and I know people in there that ain't gay. Matter of fact, I know people in there that, that agree with everything. Everything I everything I say, they just scared to say it out loud. They I know may people not in the be gay, but the lyrics that's. Those are very gay words to say. <laughs> industry, the industry, they, they, they in bed with. There is. A, there, I'm, there, I'm not gonna call. I wish. There's I a lot of heavy. There is a little. Hold on. There is a lot of heavy rumors, and now a lot of people are coming out saying that a lot of the deals that are done in the music business, especially with rappers and young rappers, come on the tail end of some type of sexual, homosexual blackmail. That's, 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 that's becoming more popular. It might be becoming more popular, but here go the thing. I grew up in label offices and everything. I got real life friends who signed major deals that got platinum records. Most of that stuff is capped. Now there are some people secretly gay in the industry, but they always get called out. Diddy been getting called out for how long? By who? Mainly 50 Cent. You think 50 Cent gay too? No, what I'm saying is Diddy's at the top of the industry. He has always been, though. I know, but he is now. How did he get there? On his knees. Probably. But he yeah. Made, Tupac called him gay. So if that, if you, if the key to getting up the hill is getting on your knees, I look at Birdman, all of them. And again, I hope they don't come he kill me. Lil Wayne. He's, I know. Yeah, he got hey, yo, the top this conversation of, is crazy. <laughs> this conversation this is super crazy, is though. wild, boy. <laughs> Rock it's Obama to Birdman. <laughs> nah, Bird, I mean, hey, Birdman definitely, Birdman definitely got to see him do some sus stuff. Why would he cap? The kissing the mouth stuff was a little, was out, a little was way out, out of, there. Way, way out, out there. there. It wasn't a little out there. It was the whole crazy. Industry. That ain't his real son. Come on, bro. The whole industry. That don't mean the whole industry. That's, that's, that's all I'm saying. We got we got a different. Well, I'm going to give, give you an example now. <laughs> there are WNBA players who aren't gay. But that's a gay industry. Because the majority are probably gay. 
and I'm saying the rap industry. And again, these dudes don't consider themselves gay. They consider themselves signing deals and getting paid. That, that's what they get. And, and the, uh, Bryson, they're not, they're not recruiting. But I'm saying it's like no too many people in there that, that's really not gay. Now, once again, like you said, I can't for a fact say they ain't gay. The only person you can vouch for is myself. sitting in that chair, Bryson. True, but when you get my age, you're going to realize that. You're claiming the opposite view without what? knowing. No, I just, that industry. But I know, I know the, the industry. industry. That's what I'm saying, though. It, 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 I do, too. <laughs> and not, and again, I know you're a rapper. I'm not, we're not going to measure resumes or any of that. But I'm just, Hollywood, and it's all based on sexual perversion of some sort. And I, I could, if I wanted to really get myself in trouble, a major star that's a pedophile, the rap, no different than Kate, Kevin Spacey. Mm. And, and it's not a coincidence. And, and having just my limited experience at that upper echelon of what you have to do in the entertainment industry to really get on top, it's like a rite of passage. It, it, it's, it's, it's no different than Skull and Bones at yeah, Yale. I, I know that's not true. That's all you You don't. So now maybe. See, I, nah. You think these guys are going to tell you like, man, I got this deal, but oh boy. No, it's not about. It's, I had to take I 12 had inches. No, 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 no. It's not. It's, it's, hey, yo, this is okay. crazy. Hey, hey, now, Jason, Jason getting wild. No, this is getting wild up here. <laughs> But honestly, you know the name of this show? Listen, listen. Fearless, uh, listen. yeah. <laughs> Once again, I'm not well, saying. Well, scared me. I'm not going to lie. Pause. That's crazy. I'm not saying stuff like this never happens. But I'm telling you, but, I, but I'm telling you, like, this is, a lot of this stuff is over-exaggerated. I know for a fact it's fake. Like, I'm not saying, I'm like, big, I know for a fact, like, you don't have to do this stuff to be successful. I know that for a fact. That's the only difference I'm saying. Can, can I say one yeah. thing about, oh, about, about the politics of it? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to bring it back to the political. Thank you, please. Okay. <laughs> oh, gosh, I had something to say before you wrap it up, Royce. Hold on, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I think uh, it depends on what is gay to you, because a lot of these men think they hey, are yo, straight if they aren't receiving it. And it's all it's gay to me, whether you giving it or receiving it. If you are getting any type of pleasure from a man, that's gay. But a lot of them don't think that they'll think if they're not the bottom, that they're not gay. Or they're not, yeah, you know, the ones sucking, they're not gay. But let me tell you something. You ain't coming in my bonus hole if you didn't been in a glory hole. That's just the bottom line. It's all gay to me if <laughs> you didn't been with a man. Crazy. <laughs> oh, man. I'm just go, ahead. Royce go. go ahead, Royce. Go ahead, Royce. I don't even know if I could follow that up. The bonus <laughs> hole and glory holes. Hey, this is wild. Okay. All I, what I'm saying is this. Yeah. The, the entire strategy of the Democrat Party, the entire strategy of the, the, the New World Order from a political propaganda standpoint is to have an ever-expanding middle. Mm -hmm. the, and I reference Dugan again. I'm going to get you reading Dugan. You're going to like him. But, but Dugan talked about in the fourth political theory, uh, the center, the ever-expanding center, being a centrist. In American politics, we all think of the center as this hunky-dory place where everybody reach across the aisle and shake hands. In his theory, the center is the place where the corrupt status quo is maintained. Now, the question is the center of what? 
But the Democrats always move the center, the Overton window, slightly over to the left, and then the conservatives come follow to try and get votes. Um, and, and so with the, the, the way to maintain the corrupt status quo for the modern Democrat Party is two things. The ever-expanding definition of sexual identity, and on the other side, the ever-expanding definition of sexual misconduct. And those are the two surefire ways to maintain control over the, 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 the electorate. We're going to change the. You all have to submit to the change of sexual identity. And if you get out of line, if you step out of line, we'll throw sexual misconduct and allegations at you to get you back in line. Al Franken, Joe Biden, Cuomo's, the list goes on and on and on. Don Lemon. I mean, the list is just endless. Now it's going to be now it's Donald Trump. I mean, but but that's the game. I'm going to say this and irritate Bryson one last time. <laughs> No, it's not nothing gay again. Yo, it's going to be Irritate Bryson one last time. <laughs> the rap industry is like the mafia. Mm-hmm. And if you want to be a made man in the mafia, you pretty much got to be willing to drop a body. And, and you got to drop a body. Be a made man in that industry, got to take a knee. <laughs> Two, preferably, and <laughs> it just is what it is. And and I don't care who hates me because of it, uh, you know, but all of y'all. So uh, let me move on and talk about uh, one of our favorite sponsors on the show, uh, one of my most, they're all authentic, but nothing could be more authentic than my relationship with Liver Health Formula. I've been taking this stuff for two years, trying to control a fatty liver. It's been helping me along my weight loss journey. Liver Health Formula jumped on board as a sponsor three or four months ago. I'm so honored and pleased. This is the easiest endorsement that I have to give. Uh, The latest data from the American Heart Association indicates that adults with fatty liver were three and a half times more likely to have heart failure than those without. The American Liver Foundation says that 100 million Americans have fatty liver, which means many people are at risk. We throw everything at our livers, cholesterol, alcohol, toxins, Tylenol, cigarettes. That's why so many of us have a sluggish fatty liver that makes us gain weight and lose energy. For decades now, your liver helped you with over 500 key functions every day. It's time you help your liver. There is a solution, Liver Health Formula, an all-natural supplement which contains 12 clinically proven botanicals that help recharge and protect your liver, manufactured right here in the US of A and approved by the American doctors. So if you're looking to ignite your fat-burning metabolism, boost your energy, and transform how you look and feel, try Liver Health Formula and receive a free bottle of blood sugar formula to reduce sugar cravings when you order today. Try Liver Health Formula by going to getliverhelp.com slash Jason and claim your free bonus gift. That's getliverhelp.com slash Jason. Get your fearless army swag at shopblazemedia.com. We're going to interview Wendy Alexander about the events going on in Dubai with the Houston woman next. Welcome back, uh, Royce. We've chatted a little bit about this. There's a woman from Houston, Tierra Young Allen, uh, I believe is her name. She's 29 years old. 
she purports to be some sort of truck driver who <laughs> went over to Dubai. Uh, I would imagine she flew. I wonder if she took her trucks with her. But <laughs> anyway, she's some sort of alleged truck driver who goes over to Dubai. Uh, her and her friend uh, get in a dispute with a rental car agent because they get in some kind of fender bender. And I think this Tierra Young Allen wanted to retrieve something out of the car. And the man, the agent at the rental car was like, hey, you're going to have to pay this amount of money because of this fender bender, blah, blah, blah. This led to an argument. This is according to news reports out of Houston and what the woman's mother said, where the man raised his voice at her. Tierra Young Allen raises her voice back at him. She's been locked up over in Dubai and, uh, you know, they're trying to drum up support for her for to bring her back. Mm -hmm. Some of it sounds shady to me that I, you know, it doesn't this truck driving thing. And I look at some of the pictures and uh, it's like, are you sure you're over there driving trucks <laughs> or, or perhaps you're trying to entice truckers in Dubai? I, I'm, not, I'm not sure. But regardless, I discovered over Twitter, we live in this world of social media and Twitter, a woman named Wendy Alexander who says that she's done business in Dubai for close to 20 years and has fond, warm thoughts of it and could kind of give us an explanation about the culture over there and maybe help us make sense of that. So, uh, Wendy Alexander, uh, welcome to uh, Fearless. Uh, thank you so much. And Thank you so much. And so, am I right? You've done business over there for a couple of decades? I did. I actually, and this is true, I jumped on a plane, honestly, and I decided I was going to do it, knocked on doors and landed a contract in two days with the government and just continue to build from there. And so you've spent a lot of time in Dubai. And can you, can a woman and or man get arrested for mm -hmm. screaming in Dubai? Yeah, so obviously I also lived there too for several years up until 2020. And so it is a law. It's It says it. You know, I went over this, you know, I always say make sure you understand the culture and the laws before you go into any country. And there is a law that says it's, it's public behavior. So it's the screaming, the behavior is what it is. It's, that's the law. And so up under that law is the screaming. Um, you also, there's a law for cursing. So I'm not sure if profanity was used or not, but there is a law for that as well. There is also another law, which is if you have a vehicle, your insurance, of course, is not good in that state. You should get their insurance because if you don't, you have to pay for the damages. And one of their laws is that they, you cannot leave the country with debt. You can't, not even me. When I left the country, I had to show all these papers. I had to, I had to go through a whole lot <laughs> to make sure that I was debt free when I left that country. And so that's, it's written, you know, it's an unfortunate situation for her. Um, but it is a law that's there. It's been there. This is not something new. Men actually, honestly, I've never seen a woman go through this to be in my 20 something years to be very transparent. Um, mo more men honestly get, you know, are loud talking and usually get in trouble for that versus a woman. And so when I saw the article and the title, I said, you know, it's not about the screaming. It's about the law 
which is public behavior. Also, depending on, you know, what was said also maybe could have been another law that was broken. So it's very important that you know these laws when you go over there. And people are saying that women's voices can't be heard. My voice has been heard. I work with the local um, government there. I work with the locals. I've started businesses with four women in Dubai. They travel with me to Dubai. We never had an issue. Um, I'm actually to be very transparent. I'm more received there than I am in my own country. I feel safer in that country than I do here, to be honest. Uh, and so when I heard that about these, the women can't speak and all that, that's absolutely untrue. Um, and then you can actually Google, you know, they actually support us. I have a business over there. There is a chamber for women. You have entrepreneurship for women. There's so many things that you can do over there as a woman is hence the reason I started my business as an African-American woman is because I wanted to make sure that women were able to have and receive the same access that I did because I was received so well over there. They don't ask me questions. You know, if you go, you can Google me, you can see I had a room full of um, men from the Middle East, the locals that I have been training for years and treat me with the utmost respect. So all of that other, I have no idea where people are getting this information from, hence, Usually I'm very quiet. And when you found me on Twitter, I usually don't even tweet. <laughs> OK, but the reason why I did it was because I wanted to bring awareness that this is not true. It's also unfortunate that her activist, I will say this, is not a uh, cross-cultural activist. And what I mean by that is before you go into someone's country, you have to understand the culture because now you have misinformation that's out there. And you're standing beside a mother who is hurting, who you think is supporting you and actually is hurting them. It's actually hurting their situation because you said that women can't speak. You know, it's a country that does this. And you also put them on the media, which you don't they don't do either. You know, so it makes the situation worse. And so I'm always saying, you know, just make sure whoever's partnering with you, whoever, you know, your family, just make sure you know the laws and you have a wonderful time in that country. Wendy, tell us a little bit about your business that you operate in Dubai. What's the nature of it? And, and then more importantly, you said something about you actually feel safer there than here in America. Could you walk us through mm -hmm. why that is? I do. Um, so I, my business is Inspiring Decisions. So I do cross-cultural consulting. I also do um, leadership training and business development. I've worked in the schools there to help them get their American accreditation, as well as help them with their special needs department. Um, I do professional development training also for the teachers there as well. I also help locals. So when you're there, you're kind of like a serial entrepreneur, I guess I would say, or business owner. Um, that's just, you know, the nature of the beast there. And when I said that I felt safer, I do, because think about it, there's no guns. I didn't have to have security system. I left my doors unlocked. I can leave my Louis Vuitton bag in the shopping cart and, you know, go shopping and walk around the entire mall and it's still going to be there. You know, I've done that before. Um, as far as women, you know, I can walk down the street till three o'clock in the morning and I'm safe. You know, I can leave my windows open. I don't even know if they have security companies, to be honest. I was thinking about that. I was like, do they sell them? I don't even know if they do. Uh, and so, again, like I said, and even the women who travel with me, they feel the same. I have clients who have now I've helped position over there. They have their business. They're living there with their family, you know. And so I have people I honestly have never had anybody come back to tell me that they had a bad experience. N no one in 20 something years. This is the first I heard of anything like this. And I said it's very unfortunate, but it really goes back to the laws. 
If you know the laws and you understand and you know how to operate. Have I gotten upset up there? Something has happened? Absolutely. But I also knew how to conduct myself because I knew the law. And it wasn't something where it's like, oh, my gosh, I'm scared, you know, but it was just more so you just act accordingly and they support you. Where did you grow up here in the States? Where'd you Mm -hmm. go to school? What gave you the interest of doing business internationally and in a place like Dubai? So I actually grew up in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, And then I we moved. My husband and I got married, moved to Charlotte. From Charlotte, that's when I moved to um, to Dubai. And so how I got started was, and I, I, I always share my story, thank you so much for asking, is that my husband and I worked for a company where we both worked there and lost everything, completely bankrupt, everything, anything you name, repossession, lost home, lost everything. And he was just like, what are we going to do? And he had an opportunity that was presented to him to go to Afghanistan. And I was like, well, how are we going to do this? Because I'm not going to Afghanistan. <laughs> so I was like, but we got to figure this thing out. So he said, well, come to Dubai. And I was like, I'm not going there either because no one has talked about Dubai. I think 25 years ago, nobody was talking about Dubai. Right. And so finally I said, I'm going to go. And so I went he, and I fell in love with it. And I looked at him and I said, I'm going to have a business here. He said, you are African-American woman. <laughs> He's like, and you're a woman and you're African-American. He's just like, I don't. And this is a Muslim country and you're Christian. He was just like, I don't know how you think you're going to do this. And I was like, oh, I want to do it. And I came back about six months later and I landed a contract in two days and I've been building all over the country, the world since Bahrain, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, India, London. Um, Just I've started two nonprofits in South Africa and Namibia most recently. And I just continue to build. I didn't have anybody to help me. I didn't have a coach. I just honestly took a leap of faith and believed in myself. That's just that's the truth. And so as a Christian, in, yes. a co- in a country dominated by Muslims, Islam, or yes. did you feel threatened or unsafe because of your religious no. beliefs? We pray together and they have churches there. People don't know that they don't have churches as a as a, a building. But we went to church. We went to church on Fridays. There's people who preach there. Um, I have a segment also that I'll send you so you can look at it. But I talk about that is that you're welcome. Anybody is welcome. Any type of religion background. I pray with them. They, they send me messages. Hey, Merry Christmas, Miss Wendy. We celebrate Christmas there. This lady. Oh, my gosh. My meds. I'm sorry. That's all right. Uh, th- this has been fascinating. Go ahead to handle your business. With Royce, what are you thinking so far? This is. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Fascinating. Fascinating. Her story is certainly fascinating. And, Thank you. Know, you. I, I, I uh, c- c- commend her for uh, this beautiful woman for taking a leap of faith and going over there and starting oh. a business in a place that's far, far away. But, um, you know, I, I think a lot of Americans in general um, are subject to the propaganda around other countries and other mm-hmm. cultures, mainly mm-hmm. anti-Islamophobia or uh, Islamophobia. And then the counter of anti-Islamophobia. It's a huge Democrat talking point, right? It's like, oh, people don't like Muslims. I, I, I dealt with it firsthand running against Ilhan. Yeah. Right. It's like, oh, you're Islamophobic. And uh, it's it's uh, you run into another country and another country's customs and you realize they don't care about your propaganda. They don't care about your narrative. They have their own country. They have their own way of life. And they're not beholden to whatever story you came up with on CNN. So, Wendy, you back with us? 
I am. I apologize. I, I I'm so sorry. I'm let me tell. I'm working on five different time zones today. <laughs> I'm being honest. <laughs> so what? We get so my it. Assistant, we I, get so it. I said, don't do that. So I apologize. But I do want to say this: that a Christian, you are welcome. It doesn't matter what religion. They send me messages of Merry Christmas. I've gotten gifts when I was there. If you go, the mall is decorated for Christmas. You know, people celebrate. There, there's Christians there. I never had a problem. Um, Honestly, we I, I talk about that all the time and I try to bridge that. I even have a, a client right now is here to start a church over there. Of course, like I said, they do not have the, the official church building. Right. But they might go to a school um, or places like that where they have church. And we are, Westerners outweigh the locals. People don't realize that people from different countries and especially Westerners, we outweigh the locals there. We have we do. And so they they cater to us. Now, I will say that Saudi Arabia is different. When it comes to that, I don't wear uh, they're, they're changing a little bit. I used to I didn't wear my cross. I would, you didn't do the Bible. I wore my hijab and I wore my abaya. They have now sensed um, a little bit more leeway now that women can drive and things like that. But when it comes to the UAE, any religion background is welcome. I always, always when I get the opportunity to say this, if you are someone who has ever desired to do business, you want to do it in Dubai. You want to. You can have a whole satellite office. You can have the tax-free benefits. It's so much opportunity out there, and it's unfortunate that some things happen like this, and people start making their own assumptions of things that are going on. I I I, I want to keep you in a positive space because you seem so positive. Okay. But I would oh, no, like okay. for you. I, I would like for you, if you're comfortable, if not past. Mm-hmm. Can you speculate about what do you think really is going on here with this Tierra Young Allen? If, if you're sitting around gospel with your husband mm-hmm. or friends that know Dubai, what are y'all saying? Like, man, this is what really happened. Yeah, we actually, you know, the conversations were there. And of course, when it happened, everybody was messaging me like, tell us what really happened. Right. And it is. It's just it's the law. I, I'm, I'm, what I'm speculating that, that happened, this is speculation, is that she um, got upset started yelling one law, maybe use some profanity, two laws, maybe also then said, um, I'm not going to pay for this rental car. You know, I, I know I wrecked it or accident. Even if she didn't wreck it, if it was an accident. You still got to pay for it. Refuse to pay. And which is probably what they're saying is the money that they're saying that she owes in order to get her stuff back, because that's what happens. If you don't pay, you get your stuff back. That's why I'm speculating that's what happened, um, because that's the only, and everybody is too, to be honest. They're just like, that's, it had to be. Like everybody who lives in the UAE said it had to be that, because if she pays, then you just go on about your business. <laughs> you know, that's it. Gotcha. Well, and Wendy, and thank very you so lenient. much. For t- thank you so much. No, I said thank you so oh, much. Yeah, hold on. But you said they're very lenient. The, the, yeah, I was getting the criminal say, I justice was, I was, system. Yeah, I was. Well, it's not even just you don't even get to the criminal. Look, if you get to the criminal justice system, it's something else going on. You like you really, really did something because what I'm saying is that their culture is very forgiving. You know, they've had where people have done like a crime because you know the crime is, is less than one percent there, right? Less than that. So if you did a crime and let's say somebody came to my house and let's say they took my radio. And they bought into my house and they said, Miss Wendy, do you forgive him? Yes, I forgive him. Are do, do, Is it a fee a charge to this forgiveness? No, it's not. You forget. OK, you're going about your business. Like the, the whole thing about the jail system, it, it takes a whole lot for you to get to that point. 
you know, and, and they work with you. They, and I will say this and I have, I'm actually, you're my first interview for this. <laughs> so I'm going to say this. I'm going to share this is that one of the things is that they, when you, when you work for them or you are, are, are in a relationship with them, they will take care of you. If you are doing the right thing, coming into their country, providing some type of resources, whether it's employment, whatever it is, they take care of you. They not, it is the most lenient country when it comes to the most polite giving. That's why I said when I saw this, I was just like, what happened? Like it had to be something major in order for that to happen. And then about like you were saying about the trucks. I don't know, because I know how you I know how you do business there. I know how I know the, the, the ropes that you have to go through in order to do business there. So I don't know about that PC there. I just, I just, it's like I said, it's, it's unfortunate, but if I can leave you with uh, anything <laughs> is to say, if you know the culture, you know, the laws with any country and understand that you cannot go into a country with your Western ways. It just does not work. Just like if you go to Barbados and wear camouflage, it's illegal. And a lot of people don't know that you can't wear camo pants. So know the laws. Thank you, Wendy. Thank you. Awesome. That was Wow, I'm glad that we have that much information before we dive into a conversation and speculating about what went on there. I can't wait to hear uh, Shamika's take on that. Shamika Michelle will join us, rejoin us again next. All right, welcome back. That was fascinating. What we just heard from Wendy Alexander, the other thing I found fascinating, is she's from Raleigh, North Carolina, a North Carolina person like Shamika and Bryson. Something's in the water in North Carolina. There's some kind of little common sense running through the water of North Carolina. Shamika, uh, what did you think of Wendy and what she had to say about Dubai, at, that puts a whole, I, I can't even say I'm shocked by uh, finding out that this Houston woman, Wendy's too polite to say it, but that's some little ghetto round the way girl that brought that twerking ghetto US mentality to the wrong country. She done effed around and found out, that, that's my take. That's my take too, Jason. When you saw the women that actually went to Ghana and said they were twerking for their ancestors, black women from America don't know how to act. So yes, they go into these places. They don't know the laws. And you know, these are the same people that are so oppressed here and can't get ahead here. And men ain't shit here. And you get to talk to me any kind of way and be condescending. And so she rolled up on one of these Indian men and thought she was going to be able to have the same nasty attitude that she has in America. And like you said, she messed around and found out. That's my take as well. There are pictures of her, you know, um, 
barely dressed in her bathing suit, green hair, even here as a trucker, most truck drivers don't dress the way that she does. Most truck drivers don't consider themselves TikTok influencers twerking beside their truck. So this is the behavior that she's shown in America. And I have no doubt that she went to Dubai and did the exact same thing. And so I enjoyed the interview uh, that you just had, Jason. But listen, if I go to Dubai, I'm going on my own dime because, you know, I got to be in love for you to pee on me. Number two is out. <laughs> and so a lot of these women are going over to Dubai and becoming these quarter potties. These men are paying them so much money to go over there and do all types of things from pleasuring camels to being shadowed, uh, if that's the word, and uh, even abusing kids that, you know, little boys that need to become men, so to speak. So these women are going over there and it's the Western women going over there with no type of morals and values and just acting in any kind of way. I, I, I certainly think, and, and you know what, this whole, the Houston media and that her mother on camera and th there was some Dar Darnell X or Quanell X, some spokesman that was, you know, pretending to be some type of Nation of Islam type Muslim or whatever. All of it, to me, is a scam that will end with a GoFundMe account on Tierra's behalf so that she can raise the money to get to pay for this car that they done wrecked and she can get up out of Dubai and hopefully turn a profit uh, as well. Get the money she needs to get up out of Dubai, but also turn a profit. That's where this scam is all headed, in my view. Well, I think Shamika pointed out the dark side of Dubai, right? And uh, uh, our interview uh, guest, uh, she pointed out one of the, what, what I think is a very unique story. I think her story is unique. And she may, she may know some other women who she's helped have a unique success over there in that way. But I think the vast majority of women who are traveling to the UAE are selling their ass. I'm just saying, it's in my age group. Right. And that's that's what it seems to be. A lot of people going over. I think the, that's what you hear about. Well, I mean, well, I mean, if you, yeah, for sure. That, that, that's what you hear about. We don't even know a Wendy Alexander exists. She said, I barely tweet. She's not really interested in social media. Yeah. She's over there on some real business stuff. And I would imagine there are other women who are about business that I don't think there are other young sexually active black women that are over there on entrepreneurial business. Right. Because one, they broadcast all of their, there's a bunch of things that I do, Royce, that people have no idea that I do because I don't put everything I'm doing out over social media. Yeah. There are people whose whole life, every meal they take, they've taken a picture of and shared on social media, every fart they've recorded and yeah. blah, blah, blah. There's that group of people, but there's also a group of people that just do what they do without broadcasting it all over social media. And Wendy Alexander is one of them. And just like, again, I looked at her Twitter page. She has a handful of tweets over however long she's had one. 
And so I do think there's a lot of people like that. We, we have to, not everybody is living their entire life out over social media. Yeah, I'm just a, I'm just a simple Midwest boy from, from a, you know, small town, St. Paul, Minnesota. I just think a lot of these people in general have been uh, brainwashed into this metropolitan lifestyle, these metropolitan ambitions. Why, why do you need to go do business in Dubai anyway? And there's nothing against Alexander. I'm, I'm glad she has a successful business. But, but what I'm saying is this entire social media indoctrination is like, you got to be this metropolitan, world traveling, you know, and eventually you become an omnisexual. Now, Alexander's married and that's great. But my age group, the whole thing is tied together. I'm not going to Dubai to do no business. They offered me to come play in Dubai in the UAE. I was, I'm just not I don't want to live. I, I like America. I like America. A lot wrong with it. But there's a lot wrong with a lot of other countries, too. And the corruption is deep in other countries, too. Deeper sometimes. Shmik, I want you to react to this. I'm going to push back against Royce. You, you tell me if I'm right or wrong or how it sounds to you. What I heard from that woman and the message I would take for anybody, man or woman, if you go to any country, including America, with the right attitude, with respect for, hey, this is how they do things over here, if you go with that mindset, that attitude, and that approach, your chances of success are exponentially larger than if you bring your values and your attitude and they got to adjust to me, blah, blah, blah. And so that's what I heard. Like, if, if you got the right attitude, the UAE is, is awesome uh, and you can have success there. And, and again, what the woman was saying is like, and it's also safer because in, in her view. And again, they don't have as much freedom because they don't have guns. Yeah. But is it safer for a woman there? Like she said, does she feel comfortable walking around at night? Uh, and, and, you know, crime is so low, blah, blah. It, it, to me, it was, a, it was an explanation of right attitude, look at the results, wrong attitude, look at the results. Yeah, I definitely think Wendy was telling us the bright side of Dubai. And I think one thing to point out is that she went with her husband. So she went with a totally different mindset than many of these American women. You know, of course, she's going to study the laws and know the customs. But when we look around just here on social media, every time I turn around, there's a group of black women in wigs bent over twerking in the streets, twerking on police cars, twerking in restaurants. So I think it really depends on how you go over there. And I think Wendy is a different type of woman. Again, she went with her husband. And as for this Tiara Young, Allen, she just doesn't present herself as the type of woman that was going over there for legitimate business reasons. Not saying that she, she didn't, but from what I've seen from her social media, that's not what I I get from her. And so I do get a loud mouth, unruly woman. And for her now to be stuck over there in jail, I just want to know what her weight is going to be when she gets back, because it looks like she's going to need to open her mouth to get out of there. And when she comes home, she's going to be full of shit. <laughs> uh, I'm going to try to... <laughs> 
That was great. I'm, I'm, that was funny. I'm sorry if if you're offended. I, I that's on you, or you're gonna have to deal with it. This this anyway. I I I want to make a broader point that again, what I think is the message here. I I, I me and my brother were having this conversation about uh, people that moved into his neighborhood that don't keep their yard the way that everybody in the neighborhood keeps it and everybody in the neighborhood is talking about it. Mm. I don't want to get my, I don't want to start no trouble with my brother's neighborhood or whatever, but, and so that conversation between me and my brother, he lives in a nice suburb outside of Cincinnati, Ohio, and everybody's got a standard of how they keep their house and how they keep their yards. And, And someone from a different ethnic group moved in and they don't keep their yard in that fashion. And there's a coalition of people that have lived there for this black and white mm-hmm. that are upset about it. Mm-hmm. And, and what it leads me to believe or, or leads me to say in conversation, if you are willing to adopt, assimilate, reflect the values of whatever group is the majority or in power or where you, I've lived in a bunch of different neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. I've never had a problem with any of my neighbors because I look around and I just do, oh, this is when they cut their grass. This is when I'll cut my grass. This is how loud they play their music. This is how loud I'll play my music. That, oh, I'm, I'm in this certain neighborhood and not everybody listens to rap. And so I'm not going to drive my car through that neighborhood with my rap music blaring. Windows and down. Windows down and all that. Hanging out. The- yeah. And so I, I just, I, I reflect like this is the environment. When I went to the Masterpiece Lounge, my father's bar in the inner city, my favorite place on earth. I acted the way the people at the Masterpiece Lounge did, and, and well-behaved people or whatever, but I, I, I tailored my behavior conversation to fit that group. I look at people that have been programmed, and I'm speaking about us as black people, that think, hey, I'm going to carry what I believe to any neighborhood, any environment, and everybody's got to adjust for me, or they're racist. And that's what gets us in a lot of trouble. I move here to Nashville and and you got these good old boys or whatever that like country music and blah, blah. Country music's not my thing. But living here for three years, you know what? There's some country music I like. And I can actually talk about it. And I can actually listen to it and enjoy it. And go to a bar with guys that like country music and, and you know, I'm fine. It's it's there's nothing wrong with adapting to the environment doesn't change who I am. I listen to mostly R&B and now virtually all strictly gospel music or whatever. But I'm capable of enjoying what other people are doing. And, and, And I don't I don't show up at winners and losers. My friend Steve Ford owns that. And I don't go request. Hey, man, uh, would y'all play some Isley Brothers? Make me more comfortable. <laughs> that's not what they do there. And so that's what I see from Wendy. And I think that's a healthy mentality that applies to everything. 
I, I agree. I mean, you know, I, I understand where some people say, oh, I shouldn't have to change who I am. But first thing you should do is look in the mirror and, and recognize who you actually are. I mean, I think a lot of people just walk around with this air of superiority, like who they are is perfectly fine anyway. I'm highly skeptical that who you are is somebody that you should feel comfortable just projecting everywhere you go in this unabashed way, uh, you know, faster to listen than to speak. Right. I think a lot of people uh, could could use a, a lot of that. It would save a lot of people a lot of trouble. So what do you think of my point there? Apply, you know, I, I just that's. That woman's mentality is a reflection of an American mentality, pervasive, I believe, among a segment of the black population that I'm going to do me regardless. And if you have a problem with it, it's you. It's not me. I just that's not a good common sense, productive approach to life. I totally agree with you. It's like when keeping it real goes wrong. And some people call it code switching or they feel like, you know, I shouldn't have to change. Like you said, I can just be who I am. But actually, you should be able to blend in or fit in anywhere you go. Most of us have to do that. You know, I was raised in the black community around all black people. So I can go to a cookout where they are smoking or, or drinking playing loud music and I can laugh and have a good time, but I can also go to the White House and know how to dress and know how to carry myself and know how to have a conversation. It doesn't mean that I'm not down or that I'm a coon or that I've turned my back on black people. It means that my mother and my grandmother raised me to have decency and to know how to act in public. So when you actually do these things and think that, you know, I'm, I'm keeping it real, you're not really keeping it real because your parents didn't raise you to act stupid. Your parents didn't raise you to be idiots. Most of the time, they raised you to know how to behave. It's like when you grew up and you went to church. There were certain ways that you could act when you're at home, but when you went to church, you knew that you were going to sit down, shut up, and listen to the preacher no matter how long he spoke. And so that's what a lot of people are missing. They just don't know how to act. But most parents, especially from our generation or good parents, period, they raise you to be able to go somewhere and know how to act. And more of us need to stop trying to be down or be real and, and be who you are and carry yourself with dignity and respect. And don't let you be smacking that gum in that pew either at that church. <laughs> right. You're smacking that gum, you're going to be in trouble. Here's my point, and because I really, I don't think it's about knowing how to act. I think it's about knowing how to be successful. Any environment that I go into, I want to be successful. And that, that, because, you know, knowing how to act means, hey, uh, the way you act in this certain environment is not knowing how to act. And therefore, you got to be somebody different. I go into every situation, how can I be successful? Mm -hmm. and, and, and so in America, this is where I think we have a lot of disconnect. There's a set of, there was, a set of values and founding principles and belief in the system or whatever 
If you bought into these concepts and ideas and adopted those things, you could have success in America. And, and, and I'm seeing a lot of people say, no, not do, I, that would be a sellout if I learned to speak proper English. Or wear a suit and tie. Yes, or, yes. Mm-hmm. I have to have my pants hanging off my butt to be black. Yeah. Well, being, I'd rather be successful. That's the standard yeah. that I, I'm basing my life on. I, I want to be successful. And so I want to be unapologetically successful. These other people have said, I want to be unapologetically black, and they've defined everything black as negative and things that will make you less successful in America. It's stupid. And it's a slippery slope. All right, I'll add the nuance here, right? It's it's a little slippery slope because in one sense, if we look at our movement and the conversation we have, like the one we had yesterday about elitism and, and globalism or any of those big political ideas, the rejection from most black people just spiritually is if I start to adopt being too proper, then I'm going more towards the rich people who are scamming me, which is right. But at the same time, that doesn't mean you should have a full on embrace of being poor and the customs that come along with being poor. And we see in this country, there are certain norms that that pop up across poor communities, poor black communities. I mean, what, who are we kidding? Where there's welfare and government cheese, there tends to be drugs and violence. I and mean, that's if you deny that, you're you're not living in reality. I certainly come from a place in Minneapolis where it's the case, right down the street in Chicago, Milwaukee, Detroit, it's the case, it's, there's a reality. Um, so 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 I, under, I understand it. But another thing that I that comes to mind is what Damon Dash talked about, and it's just having taste. For some reason, black people have lost a, a real sense of taste, like with the Harlem Renaissance and some of the other cultural black, histo- you know, uh, historical cultural black times in this country where young black men actually wore suits. Mm-hmm. Young black men used to wear, whether they worked in a factory or whether they, they delivered mail or whatever it was, they wore the, uh, the suit and, and, and the mailman uh, a six panel cap. And, and that was just custom. Uh, we've degenerated far, far away from that. And, and they used now, to call that dressing for success. Yeah, right. Right. The, again, that's where I go. this comes down to. Do you want to be successful yep. or do you want to be stereotypically black? And why would you not want to be versatile, too? Right. I mean, you know, it, you should be able to, you know, I want to be able to sit down at the Asian restaurant or with Chinese people, or whatever type of people. It's hard to say you don't want people to judge you off your skin color, but your whole identity is based on your skin color. I totally agree. My mom never raised me to act black. I don't even know what acting black means, but so many black people have equated it to acting ignorant. And that's a, that's an issue. As a young girl, my mother put me in classes, etiquette classes. I remember working and it was like over 10 years ago, there were two white people and there were four of us that were black that went out. Our boss was taking us out to eat. We went to an Asian restaurant and I was the only black person that knew how to use my chopsticks. And I can remember the black people saying, oh my God, you get on my nerves, you wanna be white. That doesn't mean that I wanted I want to be white. It means that my mother exposed me to things early on in childhood, and I know how to vibe in different atmospheres. Everybody should want to do that. This whole idea, like you said, you're a sellout if you do anything different is really stupid. 
but not if you have a dildo thrown in your man cave. Doing that thing different all of a sudden isn't. Because where I grew up, there ain't no man-on-man action. The guys I grew up, the guys who rappers emulate their rap music after, gangster rap, none of those black men that were in the streets embraced any type of homosexuality. So it's just funny how selective people are as what constitutes as being black or not black or being real or not real or being good enough for the cookout or not good enough for the cookout. They didn't even used to invite the gay family members to the cookout (laughs) when I was coming, like, in some families. I mean, you know what I mean? So it's just, you know, the select, the the selectiveness of it is is dishonest. All right. uh, Play some tomorrow. And we'll see you tomorrow. Just wanna have